welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. As we're singing that, I was just thinking um, how crafty the enemy is, right? Even though I'm singing about a great God, I'm thinking about how crafty he is. And what do I mean by that? I mean right in the middle of a praise and worship service, as you're try- singing how great is our God, he will bring images to your mind of your failures. And as you're sitting there singing, you want to sing, but you can't because you're feeling bad about yourself because you're listening to the wrong voice. And it's in those moments we need to close our eyes and do exactly what we've been singing. Whether it's shouting or whether it's whispering, it, it don't matter, right? You know, I've been in situations before where I needed to straighten something out and I just whispered in somebody's ears, if you don't get this straight, I'm going to straighten you out, right? Right? There have been other times where I had to raise my voice. Whichever one applies to you, right? Just do what's in you, right? But I, I will tell you, in the middle of those circumstances, especially when we're here gathered together in his name, you came, I mean, you came out on a sub 30 degree, almost probably sub 20 degree morning to worship. And you're lifting your hands and you're worshiping and all of a sudden the devil brings a thought to your mind and all of a sudden you just sort of do this. I just sense there might be some folks here that the devil's reminded you of a failure. He's reminded you of a mistake and you've had trouble entering into that next level of worship this morning just simply because of that reminder. Well, listen, I want to do something this morning. I want to sing that through again and I want you to say to the very image of your failure, my God is greater. My God is greater because Jesus made a way. Amen? Come on, let's worship Him this morning one more time. Sing with me how great is my God. everything else and what he says about you this morning is that you're his child that you're washed in his blood that you're healed by his stripes that you're an overcomer and a conqueror that you can do all things through him and that there is no problem bigger than the God you serve amen do you do you have something to say you're gonna ask me something 
what? Got it. Bill, can you come to the front? Just stand right here. Megan just felt led. Just stand, just stand right here. Felt led that we should lay hands on you. Matter of fact, if a few folks just want to come, he would. Do you mind if I share this? Bill was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, right? There's no higher name. Woo! But God is greater. God is greater. We're gonna lay hands on him right now and agree with what he's already believing for. I'm telling you, he already believes he's healed. But we're going to just appropriate our faith. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to thyroid cancer. Cancer! There's a greater name, a greater name, a greater name. And that name is the name of Jesus. So we declare cancer, you're dead at the root. In Jesus' name, you are dead. And I thank you, Father God, that the healing power of God is working in him right now to affect the healing and a cure. Jesus, the name of Thank you, Father, that our brother in Christ is the heal of the Lord. And we declare that our God is greater and that he is healed in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen, and amen. Thank you, Megan. You may say something. Amen. Here, just hang on. We're going to give you. You're, you're a preacher, but we're going to give you one anyway. Go ahead. You know, um, I thank God for our passion faithfulness. I thank God for uh, making faithfulness. I thank God for the faithfulness of the believer. But as the pastor was talking about how some of us may be here and our thoughts can bring us down, a vision came to me, and uh, understanding came to me that when David approached Goliath, David knew he was small in stature. David knew he must have looked silly and awkward and defeated already. But he let Goliath know something. Yep. And I'm letting Goliath, Come my on. enemy, know something. Come on, say it. You can look at me all day. I may look like an easy one to conquer, but you're not fighting me. Come on. You're not fighting me, enemy. You're not fighting me, Satan. Right. Come on. You are fighting a God Almighty. Right. Come on. That's right. All right? And you will be defeated. Come on. Because Come greater on. is he Come on, that is in you. That is in you, brother, in you, sister, than he <laughs> that's in the world. Forget the one that's in the world. Come on. You walk in victory. Amen. 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 Man, I love to see faith in action. I love to see faith in action. That's what faith looks like. Amen. And faith will move mountains because God honors our faith. And he is so good to do that. Aren't you glad? Amen. 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 Well, we serve a great God, a mighty God. Turn and tell somebody you love them this morning. You're glad they're here this morning. And you can be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Woo, what a good God we serve. Amen. Well, listen, we're glad you made it out. You guys look marvelous. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you look awesome. Man, you do. You guys look awesome. You made it out on a chilly morning to worship God. I'm so glad you came. I'm glad you came to worship with us. And uh, we consider you family the minute you get here. So if you're a guest, we welcome you. We're glad you're with us. Give our guests a hand. Let them know we're glad they're here. Amen. 
want to know more about the church, there are greeters and ushers that can let you know. Our website can let you know. Um, probably coming up in the next month or so, we'll have a Get Acquainted with Grace session where I'll talk about the history of the church. If you're new and you're checking us out, uh, come back for three straight weeks. We encourage people to do that because three weeks gives you the best picture of it. And then, uh, and then at the end of that, we'll have some time to share with you uh, vision for the church. But man, we're glad our guests are here. We're glad you're here this morning. God loves you. He has a great future plan for you. Uh, and so if you're dealing with anything that's hindering your life right now and you, you want prayer or you desire prayer to be offered for you, got a couple of ways we do that here at Grace. Uh, number one, on the seat back in front of you, there's a prayer request card. Uh, you can just fill that out and turn it in here in a moment. When we have our break, you can bring your, uh, uh, your uh, uh, prayer request cards and just put them in the bucket there, and we'll get those. Also, um, uh, if you're more of a digital person, you can go online to our website, and you can uh, send us an email or click on a prayer request, and we'll get that information. And then also at the end of the service, if you just want somebody to touch, to hold, join hands with and agree with, we'll have prayer partners up here full of faith and the Holy Ghost uh, ready to pray with you at the end of the service. You can come forward and they'll join hands with you and agree with you in prayer and believe God for answers in your life because they I, I gotta tell you because they view you all as family they really do I mean I, you know our church our vision for our church is to be a place where you can meet friends worship God hear the word and be a blessing and that first part of meeting friends is you know not just being acquaintances but true intimate friends where we become family with one another and I gotta tell you our prayer partners when you come they don't just pray and send you on your way they typically check on you and follow they carry you with them in their heart. So if you have those prayer requests, let them know uh, they're available for you at the end of the service. Amen? Well, listen, uh, we do want to pray over our offerings that you've brought this morning. If you brought physical offerings, cash or check, uh, you can bring those forward here in just a moment. Uh, cash can go in the offering envelopes. Um, and uh, But if you gave online as well, you've already given, that's fine too. But I want to take a moment and just agree with you guys that God meets your needs according to his riches and glory. And just to thank God as a collective group for how good he is to us as we worship him, not just with our word, but also with our giving. So let's take a moment and pray over our offerings today. Father, thank you so much that you're so good to us. Thank you that you love us. You care about every aspect of our life, spiritually, mentally, socially, physically, and financially. You care about all of those. And you've given avenues through which we can interact and partner with you in all of those areas. And one of the ways we do that in our own uh, finances is by just obeying you with our finances and giving as you lead us and doing what your word says. And so I thank you for the folks who are uh, giving this morning to support the ministry and to help us accomplish what you've called us to do. I just pray your blessing over them. I thank you that you are going behind the scenes to set them up for financial success. Thank you that your cause and raises, favor, promotions, whatever is necessary to put them in the best financial place to be a blessing to others. I give you praise and thanks for that, Father, and we just thank you that every need of the church is met. We call our building fund completely funded and that building completely renovated and done. We declare that by faith, and we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Just a reminder about your giving. Um, we did send out giving records this week via email for your 2023 giving, so you can use that when you got, claim your taxes. If you did not get your giving record, then it means we don't have a good email address for you. And so what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, is to see Elisa, or back in the back, both Elisa and, and uh, Nakia, wait, wait, raise your hands. Either one of those folks, see those folks, get them the email address, they'll get that loaded into our membership software, and let them know that you, we didn't get your, you didn't get your giving record, and, and we'll make sure we get that out to you this week, okay? Uh, but uh, you can use those on your taxes, so that's a good thing. All right, stand to your feet with me. We want to dismiss our kids first through fifth grade. Give Joe a hand. We love him. Amen. 
Joe's going to head out and teach our first through fifth graders. If you have first through fifth graders, uh, you can check them in with him during the break. If you're new to Grace, make sure you let Joe know who your child is so he makes sure he gets your child back to you. Um, and uh, so check them in back there. Let's meet and greet for a few minutes, shake a few hands, bring your offerings forward, and we'll jump into the word here in just a moment. One is this. Um, the last Wednesday night of this month is our 2024 vision casting uh, 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 service. We've designated that Wednesday night. I've been teaching on healing uh, every Wednesday night, um, really since the, the, we, op we start, restarted our Wednesday nights back in the fall. Um, but tonight, that night on the 31st, I'm going to be talking about our vision as we look forward. I'm going to be sharing some refined um, things to sort of help us focus on our building plan and getting that building finished and getting some steps out of the way that need to take place. And so um, we're going to be casting that vision. I'll also be sharing very briefly just about our 2023 financial performance if you want to see that. Um, we won't spend a lot of time there. Because uh, I really don't focus on the finances, I just focus on Jesus. He meets all our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? And if you trust him, he'll always bring you through. Now, that doesn't mean we don't keep an eye on what we do with the money, but it just means I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, God takes care of everything there. So, um, anyway, Wednesday night we'll be sharing that. But I will say in light of Wednesday nights, there, there is a we have two needs in our children's department as I look at 2024. And I'd ask you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he might ask you to do uh, to help us fill these roles. First of all, on Wednesday night, uh, we have need of two Wednesday night toddler teachers. So we have a Wednesday night class. It's really a combined nursery and toddlers and kids. It's just a combined class. And so we need um, two teachers to help with uh, what Aaron and Malia do there. So they're not teaching every Wednesday night and they can get an occasional break. Two teachers would mean if you just te teach once a month is all we're asking. But if you'd be willing to take that class... Malia and Aaron, raise your hand, wave it around. There you go. Uh, give them a hand. Thank them so much for their faithfulness. We need uh, two folks. Let them know I'd be willing to take a Wednesday night once a month, okay? And then secondly, this is a, 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 also a big role, but as I look at 2024, you know, um, probably uh, maybe six, seven years ago, we had a nursery director that stepped away, and my wife stepped into the role of being the director of our nursery and actually just making sure we had workers and, you know, and the thing of that nature. And she doesn't know I'm doing this. Uh, she had to work this morning, not in the nursery, but she had to work elsewhere this morning. But she doesn't know that I'm doing this. But for 2024, I really have it in my heart that God would send us someone to take the leadership role over in our nursery. And what that would mean is, is that role would be someone that would be in charge of scheduling all the workers, making sure things are running properly. It doesn't mean you work every week, but it means it's your, ultimately your responsibility. And if somebody doesn't show up, then you're the one that jumps in there, arms and elbows, and gets it done. So I would ask that if you would pray about that, don't make a rash decision, but just pray about that. And if you sense the Lord leading you, I'll tell you something about the way God does things, too. Just a little bit of help there, because I'm not an arm twister, and neither is God. Um, if, if you sense the Lord drawing you to that, and when I say drawing you, it's just something out in front of you that says, you know, that might be something I want to pursue. Just, it seems like a leading, right? Something's behind you pushing you, saying, you need to do this, you know, because you need, that's not God. God doesn't push, the Holy Spirit leads. And so as we share those, those, those specific needs for our children's department, just see how the Lord's leading you. And if the Lord is leading you, that I might want to do that. You say, maybe you've never done it before. Uh, just follow the leading of God because God is leading you to your place of influence in the kingdom of God. And I can tell you something. I spent 10 years teaching children, and I don't regret a single day of it. Pouring your heart into children and placing the incorruptible seed of the word of God in those kids 
so that there's a magnet in them that draws them back to Christ no matter where they go in their life. That's a, that's a very important role in the kingdom of God. And so I would encourage you to pray about it, seek the Lord about it. I'll talk about it regularly, tell, tell the Lord, you know, let's just pray that he sends us faithful laborers because that's what he said he'd do. Amen? And uh, let's believe that those roles get filled in 2024, the early part of this year. So, and, and by the way, as, as, a, as a nursery director, you'd be a part of our planning team. You'd ha- it would require you once a month meeting on a Tuesday night with the leadership team just so you know what's going on. Uh, but let us know if you're interested in that role. And it is a volunteer role, all right? So just want to let everybody know that. All right, uh, I want to continue the uh, message I've been teaching. I started it back in November, um, and it followed on to a series. We, we, we t- uh, you know, I, I sensed in, in the fall, or maybe m- even maybe it was midsummer, the Lord dealt with me and said, you know, I want you to teach on love until I tell you, until I, until I tell you not to teach on it anymore. So, you know, I did a really long series on the love of God and how, how, how that impacts our life and how we should display the love of God to others. And then I followed this up with this particular series because it really addresses something that's critically important if you're going to walk in the love of God. To walk in the love of God, we're going to see in our opening text, you've got to know who God is, right? If you don't know who God is, you'll just be going through the motions and trying to be a nice person instead of being a person that is actually displaying the nature of the one who lives on the inside of you. And so we're talking about God's gift of love to us and how, who he is and, and gaining an understanding of that. We, we start here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. So let's read that and then we'll pray. And then let's just trust God together for what he has for us for the remainder of the service. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your presence, your people, and I thank you for your power that's here this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I just pray that as we approach your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit will grab our attention. He'll speak through me to your people. He'll use me to be able to place truth in our hearts that enable us to be more and more like Jesus, that allow us to be more and more of an example of who he is to the world around us, and that draws closer and closer to your heart so that we truly know and have a proper image of who you are. I just thank you, Father, for accomplishing that. I thank you that Jesus is Lord here and that, that, that all attention is focused on your word and that through that your Holy Spirit will gain the glory. And we just give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, this verse says to, that we should love one another. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Now, if you're sitting with somebody you're just dating and you had to say that and you never said that before, I put you in a really uncomfortable spot, didn't I? <laughs> But hopefully, you know, uh, we're talking about not, you know, emotional love. We're talking about just the God kind of love. I love you. And notice what it says there. We should love one another. And then it, it says, though, that for us to love one another, if we don't love one another, it's the product of not knowing God. And so for us to be able to love like God loves, we have to know who God is. And so really, this series and follow on to the one we taught back in the fall about walking in love and sacrificing and all those things, this series is really designed less to show us about how to walk in love, but really to show us a picture of who our Father is. Because if we know Him, right, then we'll love like He loves. And so what we've done is we've gone to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to really gain an understanding of what His love is like. And what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses uh, 4 through 8, and I've read this every week, and I probably will read it every week, so I hope you don't grow weary of it, because it is a very important verse of Scripture for the believer. And this is what it says. It says, love is patient. 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so we've said this every week, that this, this is a picture of the love of God. This is what his love is like. But I've said this every week as well, that it always seems like that when we read that scripture, and to me anyway for myself, when I read that, it's a challenge to me of how I should display the love of God. I should be patient, I should be kind, I should be all of these things. But if we really think about what that verse is saying, and we think about what John said in 1 John chapter 4, where he said, God is love, then what we really have here is not just a picture of how we should live our lives, but we have a picture of who God is, a really good, sound picture. And everything that we know about God should be looked at through the lens of this, this, this picture of a God who is this, the embodiment of this. And so what we did was we said if God is love and love is this, then there's no disservice to this verse to say God is this, right? God is patient, God is kind. So we went back and did that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 could read this way in the light of the fact that God is this kind of love. God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy, God does not boast, God is not proud, God does not dishonor others, God is not self-seeking, God is not easily angered, God keeps no record of wrongs, God does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, God never fails. That is a picture of who our God is, right? And as we read other scriptures that, that help, help us gain greater understanding of God, we always need to remember this as a foundation when we're looking at who he is. And so we've looked at different aspects. We started in verse 4, and we've gone through 11 weeks of these different character traits of God. Last week we talked about a God that always protects. Aren't you glad he's a God that always protects you? Not only, he, he, not, he always protects. That means that he wants to do it, he will do it, and if you'll call on him, it's available right now, protection that you're looking for. But today I want to I sort of deal with the rest of verse 7, uh, because I think all of these words are sort of bundled together by the writer and by the Holy Spirit to give us a picture of a certain character trait of God. No, notice verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 7, love, or God, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Everybody say trusts, say hopes, say perseveres. Today I want to talk to you about a God who will never give up on believing in you. A God who will never give up on believing in you. That word trust is the word, if you look up that word trust, the, the, the Greek word means this, it means to have faith in someone. So God always has faith in you. <laughs> That's really interesting. Think about that for a minute. How many of you ever fallen short before? Have you ever missed it before? Here's the good news this morning. God still believes in you. I'm going to talk about that a little further in just a moment. Not only that, the word hopes. That word hopes means to expectantly. We also see a very similar word. It means to expectantly trust in someone with joy and confidence. Right? I mean, that word is used in Matthew 12, 22 when it says, in his name the Gentiles will trust. That's a pretty strong word, right? Trust in, they'll trust in that name. That same kind of confident, joyful trust is what God places in us. So you know what that tells me? I may be getting ahead of myself in my message, but this morning, if he has a vision for your life or a calling for your life, or if he taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I got something for you to do, it's not like, oh, I guess I got to pick them, right? 
His mindset is, man, I am excited to pick this person for use in my kingdom. And then not only that, there's the word endureth. That word endureth means to loyally remain behind with determination and fortitude when others leave. So here's the other thing about God, is when you possibly have even ruined your trust with others because of your bad mistakes, God still doesn't abandon his belief in you. He will never abandon his belief to you. And you see, I want to encourage you today, if you don't remember anything else I say, that we serve a God who will never give up believing in us. Never give up believing in us. Psalm 136 verse 23 says, He did not forget us when we were defeated. His love is eternal. I want to encourage you in three aspects of this God who this never say die attitude that he has about his love for us. Number one, I want to let you know he always believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. He always believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. You know, one of our worst critics is ourselves. How many, how many of you are really hard on yourself sometimes? You want to know why? Because you see everything. You see every flaw, you see every mistake, you see every shortcoming that even some others may not see because we do a really good job sometimes of hiding those things, right? And sometimes they're just things that others don't see. God, and so when we see those shortcomings, even like what I was saying before, in worship, we can be worshiping God and all of a sudden the devil throw these shortcomings up on us, right? And we start doubting ourselves and we start being down on ourselves and we start not believing in ourselves, Right? I couldn't be worthy. There's no way God could use me. But, we, but the reality is, is that you know, we serve a God that we can't hide our flaws from either. He sees everything. How many of you realize when you mess up, it didn't surprise God? And how many of you realize when you have a weakness, He knew about it? He wasn't surprised by it. When God came looking for Adam, saying, Adam, where are you? How many of you knew He already knew where Adam was? Right? Why did he say, where are you? Because he wanted Adam to recognize, I'm looking for you, buddy. I love you. I haven't given up on you. So the reality is this, is that God, even though he sees all of our flaws, what we find there in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to see this throughout Scripture here in just a moment, he delights in believing in us even when we don't believe in ourselves. And we see it very clearly in the story of Gideon. You know, Gideon was one of the judges of Israel at one point, but before he became a judge, the Midianites were, were an evil, uh, you know, were, were enemies of Israel, and they were oppressing the nation of Israel to the point that they were hiding from these folks. And they were living in poverty and living without. And in verse in Judges chapter 6, we, we pick up the story here where God visits Gideon and says something to him. Notice Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tabernacle tree, which was in Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So Gideon was secretly hiding from his oppressor and doing this work to gain uh, wheat or to thresh wheat. And it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I want you to think about that for a moment. Gideon hiding, running from his enemy, scared of his enemy, and yet the Lord shows up and said, Gideon, you may not believe in yourself, but this is who I see you to be. 
He said, I see you as a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, I always hear this in sort of uh, not Gomer Pyle language, oh my Lord. Because that's probably the mindset he said it in. He said, Gideon said, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into hands of the Midianites. Notice the image he had of himself. He believed himself to be delivered into the hands of the Midianites. He saw himself as a captive. He saw himself as a hider, right? scrounging around for the scraps from his enemy. That's who he saw himself as. But then says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. He says, what, you've got some might, Gideon. I believe in what's in you. Go in this might that is yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I ha- have I not sent you. He said, listen, I'm God, and I'm saying, regardless of the way you see yourself, I'm saying you're a mighty man of valor. So he said to him, here he comes again, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So he saw him as the weakest in the weakest clan in all of Israel. So he didn't just see himself as, you know, I'm the strongest in Israel, but I'm hiding. He saw himself as the weakest. You know, so many times we sell ourselves short because of the image we have of ourselves, Instead of embracing the image that God has of us. Notice it says, and the Lord says, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Notice the disparity between what God said and what Gideon believed. Gideon didn't believe in himself, but God did believe in him. God saw him as one not worthy of hiding, although Gideon saw himself as one worthy of hiding. Taking his gift and burying it, looking at himself and saying, I'm not worthy to be used. How many people sell themselves short because of their current circumstance, their historical experience, or their own human limitations? How many times in our life have we said, oh, I could never be that, I could never do that, I could never rise to that level, right? But the reality is, is that God sees us as something different. You know, I'm reminded of a story (coughs) that took place when Zach was six years old. Now, Zach's a strapping young man now, but when he was six years old, he's just a little old toddler, right? But I I decided it'd be a good idea to get him into wrestling, right? It paid off in the long run. He had enjoyed himself. But I remember I took him to a little um, wrestling tournament. I can't remember what it was. It might have been down near Danville or somewhere. But we're down here, six, year, six years old, we're in this wrestling tournament, and he's wrestling another kid who wrestled him all through school. He you know, wrestled, grew up in wrestling, too, and kid went off to be a college wrestler. But Zach's, this guy's first name is Dolph, I think was his name. I, I know his last name was Dolph, right? You know, so I thought about Dolph, you know, the guy in the movies that, you know, the big one. But anyway, they're wrestling. I, I, you know, move it. So they're wrestling along, and they're in this match, and Zach is six, and he's new to all this, but he's, you know, he's a little athletic, so they're wrestling around. It's a close match, and gets down to the end, and it's overtime, and Zach is wore out, and now he comes off the mat in overtime, and he's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it, Daddy. I can't do it. I got the video of it if you want to see it. I'll have to go dig it up, but I really do have the video of it. I mean, he's whining, I can't do it, I can't do it. But me on the sidelines, I look at him and I say, Zach, you have it in you, you can do this. And Zach, in that moment, chose to embrace what his dad said about him instead of what he believed about himself. 
He jumped back on the mat, and they wrestled through overtime. He got the takedown, and he won. I mean, it was the most exhilarating moment in my life right at that point. You know, my son won. Woohoo! A little wrestling match that nobody cared about, right? But I'm reminded of that story because I think so many times in our life we wind up looking at ourselves through the eyes of a six-year-old kid instead of seeing us through the eyes of a father that knows the potential that lies within us. See, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm not talking about self-belief, right? There's a lot of teachings, there's a lot in our culture today about self-belief, and you can do it, you can do anything. You can't do anything you want to do without the help of God. I'm telling you right now, you can't. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And, and the, one, the, one point, the point zero 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 one percent that do it wind up disappointing all the rest that can't. Because they're trying to do it on their own without God, finding their own plan and God's own purpose for their life. Right? But what we wind up have happening here is God said to Gideon, listen, the reason you're going to be able to do this and the reason you're a mighty man of valor is not because you're something special, Gideon. Oh, he didn't say it that way because that could come across as a bit of an insult and God's not like that. He said the reason you can do this is because I sent you and because I will be with you. See, Ephesians chapter 1, 3 and verse 18 says that. Paul prayed that we would understand what's on the inside of us that's been deposited in us by God. See, whether you realize it or not this morning, if you haven't accepted Christ, there's a deposit waiting to be made into your heart. If you have accepted Christ, there are things that God has placed in you that you're probably not even aware of yet. Abilities and giftings. In Ephesians chapter 3 says, I ask, this is Paul praying, that your, that your minds may be open to see how very great his power is in us who believe. So that you will begin to know what is the immeasurable and unlimited and, sur and surpassing greatness of his power, notice this, in us who believe. See, when God looks at us, He sees us through the eyes of what He's placed in us. He doesn't see our failures. He doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see our shortcomings. And because of that, He says, I believe in you this morning even if you don't believe in yourself. See, first thing God wants you to understand this morning is that He believes in you even if you don't. And He wants you to believe that, embrace that to the point that Paul did so that you can say with boldness, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me, right? So first of all, God believes in you even when you don't. But here's another aspect of his belief in you. He believes in you even when others don't believe in you, right? How many of you, you know, there may be times that we've had dreams that are really grand. How many of you had a big dream for your life? I've talked about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks, just come up, popped up in different messages, but how many times have you ever shared a really big dream with somebody to only have them go, well, you know, I don't know about that. How many have somebody did that before? It's just the worst feeling in the world, isn't it? Just shoots you down, right? That's why the Bible says don't cast your pearl before swine, right? The precious things that are precious to you, keep them in your heart before God and only share them with people that are going to be the biggest cheerleaders in your corner, right? Because most people are like crabs in a bucket. You know what I mean by that, right? You put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and one will try to climb out and just as he's about to get out, all the other ones will pull him back down, pull him back down. So, so you know, when there, there are going to be times in your life where, where you have big dreams for your life. There may be even times in your life where you failed people 
And because you failed them, they don't believe in you. And how many of you realize trust with humanity is earned, right? And so if you've burned trust, that's a reality. You just have to live with it. But just because someone doesn't believe in you doesn't mean God doesn't believe in you. Because what he says is, is in spite of your failures, in spite of your mistakes, in spite of your naysayers, I believe in you. Because I don't look at you by your failures and I don't look at you by your human limitations like other people would. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of the story of David's anointing as king. You know, uh, Samuel, you know, uh, was sent to go anoint a, 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 a future king at Jesse. Jesse was David's father at Jesse's house. So he goes down to Jesse's house and, and he goes to anoint all the, all the, the, the future king of Israel that was going to replace Saul. And, and, he, and, and David had ten brothers. And, and, and so Jesse thought, well, you know, I mean, outward appearance, well, this one's going to be king. And he kept going down the line from the next one to the next one to the next one. Didn't even call David to come be a part of the ceremony. David's out on the backside somewhere as a young boy just shepherding some sheep. But notice what the, the, uh, Samuel said by the Spirit of God to Jesse. But the Lord said to Samuel, actually, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, what that says is this. When everybody else says you can't, God looks at what's in you and says you can. I believe in you when nobody else does. And we see these shortcomings that people place on David as he you know, begins to just honor the Lord and continues to live his life the way he should. He didn't immediately try to be king. He just kept on being a shepherd. That's one thing you should know about your calling. You don't have to make your calling. You need to allow God to open the door for your calling. Right? You just live your life and you honor God and he'll open the right doors for you. As you step through them, you'll wind up where you need to be. So David's just serving, and all of a sudden there's this battle with the Philistines, and we know the story of Goliath, right? The, Philistine, the, the Israelite army is encamped on the other side of the battlefield from the Philistines, and they're scared, and they're hiding, and this giant, you know, Goliath comes out and defies them day after day, saying, send me someone to fight. And then we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 26, it says, then David... You know, he showed up, dad said, his, his dad, Jesse, said, go, go bring them some food, right? So he, he, was, he was the DoorDash of the day. <laughs> he grub-hubbed them. He showed up. He said, here's your food. But he saw this giant, right? So here's this grub-hubber that nobody thinks will amount to nothing, right? It says, then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David knew something about himself that other people didn't know. And he knew something about his God that other people didn't know in this moment. But verse 28, it shows what his brother said. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And, uh, and notice this. Notice the, notice the passive-aggressive, condescending comment he makes. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? 
See, what was he saying? He was saying, why are you asking about killing a Philistine giant? You're just a little old shepherd boy that keeps a couple sheep. Well, we know the rest of the story, right? David just shrugged it off. You go read it for the sake of time. Shrugged it off and kept on asking the question, who is this defying the armies of the living God Till finally Saul heard about it, sent him out there, and David, a little shepherd boy that his brother thought was a nobody but God believed in, took a sling and a stone and took down a giant that nobody else could take down. See, what we find to be true is is that God believes in us when no one else does. Psalm chapter 3 and verse 2 through 3 says, Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. You know, there are a lot of people that will say of you, even even sort of dress it up religiously, God done with them. (laughs) But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. What did the psalmist say? He says, when nobody else believes in me, God, you will. I know you will. You have confidence in me. You have belief in me. (laughs) When others don't believe, God does. Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God? Boy, this is so good. I've always read this in a different light, but I want to read this today in the light of a God that believes in you and others don't. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? See, just because somebody doesn't believe, well, there ain't no way they can pull that off. I don't believe that for a minute. I know what they've done with their past. They don't deserve it. They're not worthy of it. I mean, that just sounds like the devil, if you ask me, if you really dress it up and undress it. (laughs) And that's what it's saying. What if they don't believe? Well, who cares if they don't believe? Does their unbelief change the faithfulness of God that says, I have, I'm a God of love. I have enduring, hopeful, faithful love that says, no matter what, I will not stop believing in what I placed in you. Because we'll say, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. See, what is he saying? He's saying, when others don't believe in you, believe God because he is true and every other word is a lie. In moments of opposition, we need to allow God's confidence in us to restore our confidence and our bright future that God has promised us. See, Psalm 2 verse 3 says, many are they who say of me, we'll read it again, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. When others talk trash about you, God is talking success about you. (laughs) And if you'll just hear his voice, he'll restore confidence that you may be lost. You may be lost because people say you cannot be what's that tiny voice on the inside of you saying you can be. Not, and, and here's the thing about it, that enduring love, it has nothing to do with who we are. I mean, notice that verse says he's the glory and the lifter of our head. So if you think about just the physical image of that, head down, lack of confidence, head up, confidence. What that verse is saying is when everybody else is trying to destroy my confidence in me, you're saying you believe in me. You lift my head so I can hold my shoulders back. I can put my head up and I can walk forward with confidence in myself, but not just myself. Because that would just be arrogance and pride but confidence in who you say I am. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, 
will continue his work until it finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. My confidence in the calling of God upon my life, your confidence in the calling of God upon your life and the promises of God that he's given you, they are 100% focused on not my ability to pull them off, but in his ability to perform that good work in me that he has promised he would perform in me. Right? See, God has confidence in you, but it's not confidence in your humanity. It's confidence in something else we're going to talk about in just a moment. So not only is God confident when you don't believe in yourself, not only does he believe in you when others don't believe in you, but here's the last one. He continues to believe in you even when you fail and fall short. How many of you ever failed before? <laughs> Let's ask that one again. How many of you ever failed before? Everybody, right? When we fail or fall short, we can lose confidence in ourselves. You ever been just gliding along in your relationship with Jesus? Everything is great, zippity doo dah, zippity day, man, me and Jesus hand in hand. And then all of a sudden you just stumble and fall right into the mess you know you shouldn't have been in. Ever done that? What happens when that happens? I'll tell you what happens. Along comes the devil trying to destroy your confidence. Trying to tell you, yeah, you'll never make it. You'll never measure up. But here's the news for you this morning. Whenever you fail, whenever you falter, God still believes in what's in you. And he's always there beside you, not the one saying, yeah, look at you, unworthy, no good. No, he's saying, come on, son, get up, you can do it. Come on now, you can make it. I believe in you. You have in you what I put in you. That's the God we serve. Psalm 37 and verse 24 says, though he fall... He shall not be utterly cast down. Oh, I love this next part. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. I can tell you, I've been young and now I'm moderately old. And I've failed many times in my life and I'll probably have more failures. I've disappointed people. I've let people down. My leadership has stunk sometimes, right? And because of it, people may be a left or stop believing in me or whatever else. But I'll tell you something. It doesn't really matter. Why? Because what the Scripture says is in spite of you falling, in spite of you failing, He will uphold you. You will not be utterly cast down by your mistakes. And I've seen in my life many times where it looks like I've blown it, I've screwed it up. He's always upheld me. Amen? See, why does God have confidence in you when, we fall, when you fall? Why does he still believe in you when you fall, right? Because as human beings, right, as I said, right, trust is earned as human beings, right? Scripture teaches us that. You trust people that have proven themselves faithful as a human being so you avoid pain in your own life. That's, God tells you that, Right? But God's of a different nature. He, he's not, I mean, we're his, of his, we're his children, but he's a little different, right? He sees the beginning and the end. And what it says there is that even though we fail and falter, he still has confidence in us. Why? I got this in big, bold letters, highlighted in blue and underlined, so it must be important. Why? Because he's not looking at the failure. He's still looking at the grace and the gifting that he's placed within you. See, the Bible says God takes no account of a suffered wrong. He doesn't look at the failure. 
when you fail because of the blood of Jesus, he says, no, I see what's in them still. So I can still believe in them. See, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 says this, For the, through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. So if you're a believer this morning, this verse is speaking to you. It says, through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. And this seed, everybody say seed. This seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. Woo, that, that's enough to make you want to run laps around the sanctuary this morning. Why? Because what he's saying is, is when you fail or falter, the seed that's on the inside of you doesn't die. It's still there. It's incorruptible. It's undeniable. And if you'll give place to it, it will cause you to continue to grow towards your destiny, towards your hope, towards your calling. See, when God sees us, he doesn't see us through our humanity anymore because of the blood of Jesus. He's there to help us with our humanity, but he looks at us through the seed that's on the inside of us. Do you realize this morning when you got born again, God placed gifting and grace on the inside of you. And it should thrill your heart this morning that when he looks at you, he says, man, that's one of my prized possessions. I believe in that guy. I believe in that girl. Why? Because I know what I put in them. Right? I'm reminded... You know, there's a, there's a phrase I've used with my kids over the years, and, and, and especially lately as they grow older, I've said this before in my life, I've said, you know, to my kids, I, I put a magnet in you and you can't get away from it. What do I mean by that? I mean, I did my best as a parent, I'm sure I had shortcomings, but me and Delisa, we did our best to raise our kids according to the Bible, and we've done our best to put the word, the seed of the word of God on the inside of them and to put an image on the inside of them of a winner and a conqueror and who God says they are. We worked hard at that. I can remember when my son was a toddler and my daughters were toddlers kneeling by their bed as they slept with my hands on, laid on them, praying in the Holy Ghost and speaking those words of destiny over their life. So I, I, when I say I put a magnet in you, what I'm saying is I put an incorruptible seed in you and no matter where you go, it will draw you back. Why? Because I have confidence, not in the person, but in the seed. And that's what this says. Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You know, oftentimes that verse is used to draw a backslidden sinner back. You know, God called you, you can't get away from him. Or to, to help a shipwrecked minister that's maybe given up. And those are certainly applicable applications. You know, they, they've been hurt. They've been burned. But you know the gifts and callings are without repentance. And, and it's almost a, 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 something that hangs over your head like, man, I'm never going to measure up. But i got to tell you, those are certainly applications. But as I said last week, when you read the Scripture, you need to make sure you're reading the Scripture through the eyes of a happy, loving God who doesn't give up on you instead of an angry God who doesn't see you through the blood of Jesus. See, when I read this verse, what I see is hope. What that verse says is the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When God places something on the inside of you, he will not take it back. He will always look at it and say, that's what I see. That's who you are. Will you believe that? Will you rise up and embrace that? Because that's what I see. I always believe in you. 
Yes, there are consequences to forsaking the path of God. Yes, there are consequences. If you read Romans chapter 11 in context, I mean, there are dire consequences to walking away from the plan and purpose of God in your life. But the reality is, is after it says all of that, it says, but remember this, God's gifts and calling are without repentance. He's not taking back the incorruptible word that he places in you. Listen to one translation, a couple translations here of what Romans 11 reads. And this is the way I believe we should read it. And when God chooses someone and graciously imparts gifts to him, they are never rescinded. For God does not change his mind about whom he chooses and blesses. For God's gifts and his call will, can never be withdrawn. What that tells me is when he says you're a winner, you're always a winner. When he says you're an overcomer, you're always an overcomer. When he says you're healed, you're always healed. Those gifts cannot be taken back. He's given them to you. And that's the reason he believes in you. Not because of who you are, not because of your perfection, not because of your ability to believe and have great faith. He believes in you because of the seed he's placed on the inside of you. Look at your neighbor again and say, there's a gift in me. Psalm 27 and verse 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times, but God-loyal people don't stay down for long. Soon they're up on their feet. See, though you fall, God-loyal people, what does that mean? People that adhere to who he says they are. If you'll just listen to his voice, he'll be the coach on the sidelines saying, when you're saying, I can, he'll say, I know what's in you. You can. Come on. You can do it. That's the God that we serve. As the musicians come, what have we learned today? Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 says this, Some friendships don't last for long. But there is one loving friend who is joined to your heart closer than any other. See, what that says is this, is that when others don't believe in you, when you don't believe in yourself, when you failed and even let your own self down, There is a friend, and his name is Jesus. And he will not give up on his belief in you. He says, no matter how far you've strayed from the path, no matter how far you've gone away, I still know what's in you. I can recall my mom always saying to me at times when I was down and dejected over the years and trying to follow God and walk in the calling he had for my life, there were times where I'd go sit down with Mama. And I'd say, Mom, I just don't understand this. And she'd just look at me and she'd say, God's not done with you yet, boy. That's all I needed to hear. Why? Because he'll never give up on you. No matter how dormant your call is, no matter how... God's not done with you, Larry. The Lord Spirit of God just spoke to my heart. There's a gift and there's a calling on your life. And he's not done with you. No matter what, he's always believed. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 7 says, Love, or God, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. <laughs> he believes in us when we don't believe in ourselves. He believes in us when others have lost hope and trust in us. And he even believes in us when we have failed ourselves and fallen short of the mark. He says, I still know what I've placed in you. He believes in a lost person that he's never had a chance to place 
because he knows the calling, the seed that's been sown, that's drawing them to him. And his hope and his belief never fails that you will eventually accept the forgiveness that is offered in Christ Jesus and become his child. He believes in the believer because he knows there's an incorruptible seed and a gift and a calling that the moment you accepted Christ and you became born again was placed in you. It isn't something you have to fabricate. It isn't something that you have to develop on your own. If you'll just lean in and trust God and walk after him daily, not worrying about the end result or how you get to what he's called you, he will take care of it. He has confidence in that seed in you. And we should as well. Amen? We need to thank God for a God that always believes in us. I'm grateful. Man, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I serve a God that's greater than my naysayers. I serve a God that's greater than my own personal self-confidence. I serve a God that is greater than my mistakes and failures. I serve a God who believes in me because he's placed his very self in me. And there's no higher thing that he can swear by than his own name and his own word. And he's put it in me. Amen? Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He believes in you this morning. He is hopeful that you will accept him this morning. If you've never made him your Lord and Savior, and you want to walk out of here and know that he is your father, that heaven is definitely your home without a shadow of a doubt. You want to know that, and you're not sure about that. Would you raise your hand and say, I want to know that right now. I want to accept this God that believes in me. Anyone at all? Just wait a moment. Anyone at all? All right, I, I believe we're all believers here. You know what? That one thing that tells me is bring somebody next week. Lost, hurting, unchurched. Not some from another church. Bring somebody. Amen. But maybe you're here this morning and you, you, you have accepted him, but you've lost belief in yourself. Maybe you failed others and their judgment of you, although maybe even just, has caused you to lose confidence in the God and the gifting that's on the inside of you that is not contingent upon your ability. If you this morning need to embrace the hope of God that he has for you again this morning, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to single you out. I'm just going to ask you with an upraised hand that you would say to God, God, I choose today to quiet the voices of the naysayers, to quiet my own self-judgment, to quiet the voice of my failures, and I will listen to you who say you believe in me. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, I'm going to embrace that this morning. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you so much. So glad this ministered to you and helped you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand to our feet. You know, this, every message we preach should always point back to Jesus, right? Should never point to us. We're not talking about self-confidence. We're talking about God-confidence. I want to just take a moment and solidify this truth that we've talked about this morning by us joining together as a church family, as a congregation of believers, to worship a great God that says, I am greater than your naysayers. My promise... And my calling is greater than your own self-judgment and your own failures. Because of my son, Jesus. Let's worship a God that says his blood was more than enough to qualify us to be able to have that kind of God confidence. Let's worship him for a moment, Shannon. Let's worship. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you that you are so great, that your voice is the greatest voice that we should be listening to. It tells us that because of the blood of Jesus, you have confidence of the seed and the callings and the giftings and the grace you've placed within us. So we lean on those giftings, those callings and those graces to march forward with confidence in you that we will take our rightful place we will stand in the places in your kingdom that you've called us to. We will stand in the places of influence of others that you've called us to. We declare that over our lives. I declare that over this church. Thank you, Father, that you believe in us, so we believe in you. In Jesus' name. You know, I just said that that way, and it just struck me. We're not talking about confidence in ourselves. He believes in us because of what he's placed in us. So we don't have self-confidence. We, because of that, we believe in him. Amen. And that means our future's bright because if it's in his hands, it's in good hands. Amen. Amen. Well, prayer partners, if you'll make your way to the front right over here, if you have a need you wanted someone to pray with you about, you'd like to join hands with someone, they are right here to pray with you. Just come see them as you're, before you leave today. They'll agree with you in prayer, stand with you, fight with you, believe with you, as we will all do. And uh, let's just pray this morning, believe God for good things in our lives. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you, then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that you love them. Thank you that you care about them. Thank you, Father, for 
knitting our hearts together as a church family that 100% puts our confidence in you and your promises in our life. Thank you for that. And as we go forward with that faith and confidence in you, I thank you that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And no harm comes nigh our dwelling. No pestilence comes near our door. And you bear us up to protect us and keep us safe and bring us back together with us, bringing folks with us to worship again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Find somebody and bring them to church with you next week. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.